We're back on the first edition of the Sacred Heart University Hockey Podcast. Alongside me is Jack Govan and the assistant coach, Scott McDougall. Scott, this is you've been at Sacred Heart for multiple years now, and this is a year like none of us have seen before, including you. Last year was a record-breaking season for Sacred Heart Hockey. What do you have to tell the team to stay focused through these hard times, especially to get ready for the next season? Yeah, I, I mean, listen, every day we're playing hockey is a good day at this point. Um, you know, you, you touched on last year and, and we had a great season and, and it was all, you know, stopped on, on that Thursday. I mean, you know, we were supposed to open up round two of the playoff, had a buy in round one. And, um, you know, we, we shut the door uh, about one, two o'clock that day before seven o'clock start. And, you know, our coaching staff, I, I, I left the office March, I, I believe it was 12th. And, I didn't walk back in till till late August. We thought we'd be out of there for two weeks, right? So uh, everything that has transpired and, and the pandemic has, has obviously changed our views on things. And at this point, we're just happy to be back as a team practicing. Um, you know, it was our first week as a, as a group on the ice and um, keeping the guys focused. It, it really hasn't been a challenge. They're just so excited to be back on the ice competing against each other playing, you know, and uh, obviously so much unknown on the horizon, but the, you know, the ability to, look at a schedule which we've produced them and, and say hey we're, we're preparing for something at this point um has kept them all really excited and coming off of last season coach um even though it was it ended the way it did being cut short do you guys still think you are uh you're gonna have momentum going into the season yeah yeah i mean listen we, we had a really good team last year we lost some, some great players um program changing type players um, you know, the, those seniors that left the program did a tremendous job to take us to the next level. Uh, but we also return a lot. Um, we have a lot of talent in that, in that locker room. Um, you know, I think we have a, we have a strong freshman class, but we have a lot of returners that, that maybe didn't play quite the role they, they could at this level. Um, we thought we were one of, if not, you know, the top couple deepest teams in the country last year. Um, we had guys playing in, in roles that, you know, third, fourth line roles that are good power play players that just weren't there because, you know, guys like Cotton or Lee or, or McElmurray or, or, you know, Vito were, were taking a lot of the, those reps and, and, you know, rightfully so, really good senior. So um, we have guys who, who not only did they play in those roles and we, we returned the rookie of the year in, in, in Braden Tuck, um, we returned a lot of guys who have put up some really good numbers over, the, over their career and, you know, Johnstone, McGarris, Steele, to, to name a few. Um, but, uh, you know, we're pretty excited about the group we still have. You know, we look up and down the lineup and we think we're, we're super talented at this point still. So, Coach, you mentioned all the new faces throughout the locker room. I got to be honest, when I pulled into the parking lot today and walked in the doors of Wonderland Ice Arena, I did not recognize that many faces coming from the underclassmen, such as the freshmen. And you mentioned a lot of the upperclassmen graduating or have transferred, like Matt Tugman, who's now at Providence, Jason Conton, who's playing professionally in the Carolina Hurricane system. Do you guys feel that as, as a team, especially on the back end with the departure of Mike Lee, who ate a lot of minutes on the back end power play, penalty kill, and even strength, do you guys think that you guys can fill the role easily? Well, geez, no. I mean, we lost a couple All-Americans. Um, you know, guys like McElmurray led the league in scoring, led the country in power play goals. Vito goes down as one of the all-time leading goal scorers in our school history. So replacing those guys is, is not easy. You know, it, it, it's a committee. Uh, but, you know, defensively, you know, we lost one. We brought in a couple guys who we think can, can help our team right away. We've had um, good experience in some really good junior hockey leagues. Um, and, and up front, like I said, we have guys who were kind of waiting in the wings who we think are really good players who, um, you know, now that they'll have these top opportunities, we think they'll have 
have the success. Um, but listen, you know, Jason Cotton was a was a Hobie finalist. You know, we're not expecting one guy to come in and, and, and take that role over. But by a committee, we we still think we're really deep. And, you know, we brought in two transfers ourselves who we think are going to be really good players, um, you know, from Clarkson and Michigan, two really good programs, um, who we think are going to help our team as well. Uh, you also mentioned before that um, Sacred Heart's one of the deeper teams in the country. What else do you think separates – uh, the Sacred Heart Hockey program from other schools? Well, you know, we're a program that, that's gaining tremendous support from our school, right? Um, they put an enormous emphasis on the success of our program, and it's helped. I've, listen, I've been here 11 years through uh, some tough times and, and obviously now some, some really good times, some exciting times. I mean, we're building the premier hockey rink on the East Coast. Um, you know, we've put tremendous resources into our program to make sure we have success. Um, we lost a, a tremendous assistant coach in Paul Kirtland and, and replaced them with the coach of the year in the East Coast League, which is a top level professional league. Um, you know, our school has done a tremendous job to make these jobs and these roles on our hockey team exciting for people to want to be a part of. Um, and uh, you know, that, that's really the thing here that, that's starting to separate us is, is the school's um, you know, desire to, to make us a top flight program in the country. And, uh, you know, they've given us as coaches the resources to do so, to, to have some success. When you, when you talk about the new rank, uh, you know, the, the, the Connecticut Ice Tournament, the way we were supported through that, um, that resonates with recruits and puts us into living rooms that, frankly, five years ago, we would never have been able to get in. Scott? You just brought up the Connecticut Ice Tournament, and I was going to segue into my point about that. Last year, obviously, Sacred Heart won the Connecticut Ice Trophy. And when I first got this position on campus as a freshman, and to go from the freshman year that we had after taking a one nothing series lead against RIT and then ended up losing the series in three games, to then going to the first ever uh, Sacred Heart team to be ranked, to win the Connecticut uh, Ice Trophy was a huge accomplishment, something that will stay with me for the rest of my life. Walk us through that. And you guys obviously went in there. You beat really good teams. You beat Yale, and then you beat Quinnipiac, who has some of the best hockey players in the country. So going into that Connecticut Ice tournament, obviously that's been canceled this season. That's a, a sad moment for me. Obviously that might be a sad moment for you too. But just talk about that a little bit. Yeah, you know, I, I have such a unique perspective on it. You know, I grew up in the Massachusetts area, so I grew up, you know, the bean pot was how I, you know, got into hockey, frankly. You know, watching all those games, guys like Sean McGeckern and, and Tony Monte play in the early 90s, not to age myself here. You know, that that really got me excited about college hockey. Um, and, you know, from there, um, you know, I've been in Connecticut, like I said, I've been here 11 years, but but I, I played at UConn. Uh, I, I've lived in Connecticut since, you know, I got to, to UConn in 2003. Um, so I have, you know, longstanding hockey relationships in this state. So, uh, you know, when the event was finally put together um, and, and became a reality, um, it, it was an incredible experience. I mean, SNY did a great job. And, you know, we felt like in Connecticut, it, it was a beanpot-like feel. You know, the atmosphere was great. Um, we prepared like it was a playoff game. Uh, our school did a great job supporting us. Uh, and, you know, in a year where we weren't granted Atlantic Hockey League playoffs or NCAA playoff type thing, we were able to play in a playoff there. You know, you go in and, and play Yale with, with such tradition. They won a national championship not too long ago. Um, and, and then you go play a Quinnipiac team who's been in the in the forefront of the country for the past uh, you know ten years since their rank has has come about. They they moved the ECAC. Um, you know they're a top flight program that 
geez, we have so much respect for all those programs. You know, the, 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 it, it was so much fun, you know, personally for me competing against, you know, those schools, because, you know, I have such great friends with, with the coaching staff at all of those schools. Obviously I played at UConn to see so many of the guys I played with, you know, there, obviously probably most of them rooting for, for, for UConn instead of us, but uh, just to get a chance to see them and, uh, and connect with some of the guys I haven't seen in a while was just tremendous time. And then again, on the same side to see so many of our alumni there supporting the event, uh, supporting us. Um, you know, I've been here a long time. So now some of these guys that I've coached are starting to get older and older and, uh, you know, to see them back in the building was, was quite an experience. And, and lastly, you know, the pride that it took to, to win that event and, and to be the first team to win the Connecticut ice in an annual event that, you know, will continue after this, um, is a tremendous honor that, that every guy on that organization, on our, you know, staff and, and players and, and, you know, throughout, if it was a profession in the organization, everyone, you know, yourself and, you know, Ben and Maddie and, and up through the administration, um, will never forget and take tremendous pride for. One last thing about the Connecticut ice tournament. You mentioned the coaching staff from Yale and Quinnipiac. At the end of the tournament, after you guys beat Quinnipiac, the coach of Quinnipiac, Rand Pecknold, had a lot of positive things to say about Sacred Heart. And that's coming from a guy that's been in the Frozen Four before. He's been through a long playoff run before. Was this something that you would have expected five years ago to have the coach of Quinnipiac praise Sacred Heart the way he did after the Connected Ice Tournament? You know, I mean, we've been building and building blocks. And, you know, college hockey is such a small community. There's only about 60 you know, give or take division one teams. Right. So we see those guys in the rank. We've been laying brick after brick to try to build this program. And, you know, just like they did years ago, uh, you know, I was, I was part of playing against them when they were in the Atlantic league and to see their transition and, you know, guys who I'm really close with have been coaching there and, and, and Joe Dumay and some of those guys who, who've, who've helped that program read cash and who just got the, you know, the head coaching job at Dartmouth and, you know, Billy Riga and, and Benny Sire and guys who I have tremendous respect for, um, you know, in this profession. So, um, you know, listen, it, it, it's, it's, it's great to hear that from another program. Um, you know, we have great pride, you know, to play against those guys, but when we show up, you know, we felt we could beat this team, you know, we expected to win when we show up that night. Um, you know, we think finally, and I think they, you know, we're in a position as a program where, we expect to show up every night and have the opportunity to win um, where, you know, frankly, that probably wasn't the case too, too many years ago when we didn't have the, the support and the building blocks and the, 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 the layers of the foundation we've, we've put together now. So obviously last year was an incredible record-breaking season. Um, this year's totally different. We're in a global pandemic. Nobody knows anything about it. No one's ever seen anything like it. Um, it's constantly a changing situation. How has the team been taking precautions to prevent like positive testing and yeah. speak a little more to that? Yeah. So, I, I mean, knock on wood, we haven't had any yet. Um, you know, our, our administration has done a great job, you know, specifically Ben and Leo, um, keeping our players safe. I mean, you know, we started with multiple tests, you know, we, they, we did the first 10 days of school without being able to do anything, you know, then they went into a, a three and a half week, you know, strength and conditioning only situation to catch up guys who have been in the gym. Then we started practicing in three pods, you know, now to two pods as we put in more testing and testing and, you know, we're going to end up being tested about three times a week, you know, so they've done a tremendous job um, keeping our guys safe while allowing us to play the game that, that we love as, as players and coaches and what have you. So, 
um, you know, like you said, it, it's something we've never seen before. We've never had to deal with this. You know, it's, it's, it's trips to campus for testing. It's, it's this, it's different things that we've, we've never been a part of, you know, it's, it's taking real precautions now when guys have colds, even if they don't have something, you know, shut down the house or what have you. So, um, you know, we work hand in hand with, with Ben, uh, his staff and, and, you know, we end up, you know, making decisions from there, but, uh, the safety of the student athlete is at the forefront of all of our minds. And, and especially Ben has done a great job, you know, wanting to help us, the coaching staff, who obviously wants to practice and play and prepare, um, but, but, but doing so in a, in a safe manner. Coach, I want to backtrack just a little bit. I want to talk about Jason Cotton for a little bit. Jason Cotton is now playing professionally in the Carolina Hurricanes system. Him and his brother, David, who's a graduate of BC, they both signed professional deals back in March with the Hurricanes. When did it start to become a, a reality for Jason Cotton to realize that he has a shot to go pro and not only to go pro, but to go pro with his brother, David. I mean, was, did he have any conversations with you about that early in the season, minute, like late season? When did it start to become a reality? Obviously, he had a phenomenal season. And he really started turning up maybe at the midway point of the season. And he got really hot towards the end of the stretch. When did he start to get these phone calls from teams? And were there any other teams that were uh, in the running for Cotton? Yeah, you know, it, it's funny. Probably the first person who knew that he was going to, you know, sign an NHL deal was Jason Cotton. Um, you know, he's always been a talented kid. He had a he had a good junior year. Um, he came in at the end of the year. Now, we've never had – we've had some great players come through here. Justin Danforth, a few guys who have been great American leaguers. Justin's in the KHL doing well. and Some of the guys who have had really nice careers in pro leagues. Um, but we've never had any NHL signees. And Jason came in after his – junior year in the meeting and um you know he was like hey i'm i'm gonna sign an nhl deal next year you know and i looked around at our staff was like i don't know like that's quite a you know that's quite a goal like we've never had anyone here you know like you really need to work and and have a great year and the thing about jason like i mean and, and going back to to my time recruiting him like i just you know i remember the potential i thought he could get to but he's the hardest working kid like we've ever had. I mean, that summer he put in, like he works and works and, and he still works. And, you know, I didn't realize, you know, how good he was. Obviously he started the season strong. I just remember like, you know, playing BU and, and him, you know, in November and him being like the best player on the ice by a considerable amount, you know, and, and Patrick Harper, who's a friend of mine, a, a, a Connecticut kid who plays at BU is the captain there, like texting me like, like, like Jason Cotton's unbelievable, you know? And, um, you know, from there, it just started taking off. And NHL teams were at every game. And then he got to the Connecticut ice. And I was like, my God, you know, all these draft picks and guys people want to sign. Like, he was just so much better than people, you know? And obviously won the MVP there. Um, but there were just moments of the season where you're like, this is special. Like, we have a really, really good player here. And, and obviously, you know, for him and his brother, who, who both live – here and train and and I I get to see them a couple times a week now and they're such great great humble people that work and work and work and you know just just seeing their work ethic you couldn't be happier for them and you know for their family who the parent great parents that have had you know two NHL signees it was great and you know for Jason he had he had a couple teams that wanted to sign him and, and the opportunity to you know sign with his brother who also could sign wherever um was uh, something that's great and, and they'll, you know, get the opportunity to play together now, which they haven't. Um, and uh, that'll be, uh, 
you know, that'll be quite the moment. And, and you know, we have, I have full expectation that Jay, Jason's going to get to the NHL. You know, I, I really do. I mean, he's, he's so big and long and his work ethic and skating is just second to none right now. So um, it was a joy to have him, but you know, he believed in himself, uh, frankly, before, at least I did, you know, I, I knew he could be a great player, but you know, now I'm sitting here going, this, this kid's going to be a good NHL player, you know, and, and to say something like that, um, it, it is, would have been crazy. I thought, you know, uh, a year before. Um, so he was a guy who, who really worked and, and, and made himself and, you know, everyone we played guy like, my God, is he good? And, you know, he was the first player, like in our league call, like he just, he was unanimous MVP. No one ran against him, you know? So it was a, it was a pretty simple decision for people because of you know the work and how well he did. One last question for me, Scott. Do you think that the younger guys on the team this year, seeing him make it to that distance um, and maybe even seeing him play in the NHL uh, in the foreseeable future, is that going to motivate them to work harder, do you think? Yeah, I think it gives us success story as well. You know, uh, we just keep trying to lay them on top of each other and guys can see you can come to Sacred Heart and become a professional hockey player. You know, you can make a, a great living playing the NHL or the KHL or, you know, wherever some of these guys end up. Um, so I think that's the thing. I mean, Jason's an easy guy to root for. So the guys who played with him, um, you know, have someone they can look up to. He was, you know, when we were doing testing, off-ice testing, he's dragging guys through the course to, to help him get there. You know, that's the type of guy he is. So he's really easy to root for. Um, but, you know, for the guys who, who know him, yeah, it's easy, you know. And, and for the guys who don't, they can, you know, hear stories about him and, and see his success and know, hey, I'm a Sacred Heart player. I can get to the level he's at. Coach, this is my last question. You've been great. You gave a lot of insight. But take us back to your beginning of hockey and just walk us through high school. Obviously, you went to UConn. When did it – what made you fall in love with hockey? You mentioned the Beanpot Tournament. Was there, was there a specific moment, whether it's watching the NHL, going to a hockey game, where you said, you know what, I, I want a career in hockey, whether it's playing, whether it's coaching? Yeah. Was there, was there like, a specific moment that made you realize that? I mean, I've always been a – I've always wanted to do hockey. I mean, I, you know, I started skating at three – um, I, you know, I just, my brother who played college lacrosse, I mean, he liked hockey, but like, he'd be like, I don't want to go to practice tonight. Like I always wanted to go to practice. I would skate all day. You know, I just, I love the game. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a hockey family. Uh, my parents were in a youth program. My dad, um, you know, played, um, we just, you know, always were around the game. Um, you know, I went to probably the, at the time, the premier mass high school, you know, hockey program in Catholic Memorial, um, you know, where they won like 17 state championships in 21 years. Uh, you know, my, my, the time I was at the school, they won five of six in mass, which is a, you know, a tough place to win. Um, and then obviously getting to UConn and, and, you know, when, when you get to UConn, I, I started, you know, I had a, I had a solid career. I was nothing, nothing great. And, you know, I, I finished with 22 career goals and, and, and I had to make a decision at the end of that season, like, I want to go try to play pro and a guy named Chris Potter was a UConn grad who's a Wesleyan head coach they've been this CAC champs this year but you know he called me because I had been coaching a little midget stuff he's like hey I need an assistant do you know anyone I'm like yeah let me call around and then I'm like you know what why don't I do this like I I'm not gonna be able to stick in pro hockey very long I have 22 career goals in college you know so I ended up getting right into division three college hockey um you know, made some relationships work hard uh, met CJ and, and obviously ended up at Sacred Heart and that was about 11 years ago now but 
Uh, hockey's all I've ever known. You know, I, everything I do is, is, is invested in, in, in the game. Um, I enjoy giving it back. I enjoy the youth hockey aspect. I enjoy, you know, teaching our players, recruiting. Um, and, and I enjoy being around hockey people. I mean, I, you know, it's almost a cliche, but they're, they're really the best people there are. And, and I, I get to spend a lot of time hanging out. And, you know, that, that's the things I, I enjoy most. I mean, you know, you see us every day. We're just we're having a great time with each other. Um, even when times are tough, you know, we, we enjoy the company and, and joking around with guys and, and having a good time. But, you know, I've gotten to meet some great people in this game and, and it, it's really been my whole life at that point. You know, I want to ask you one more question. I know I said last one was it, but when you're coaching a game and let's say there's a call that coaches and players disagree with and you call the ref over to have a conversation with them. Does the ref ever listen to the coach, whether you watch it in the NHL, the AHL or even college or high school hockey, it's either the referee has a decision made up and he's not changing it, whether or not what the coach says. But does the, does the ref ever think about changes? My only talks to you guys about calls like that? Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes you're setting it up for the next call, you know. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, some of these refs, again, hockey's a small world. You know, I graduated high school with some of them. I know them well, so I'll, like, send them the clip later, like I told you I was right, you know. <laughs> um, but – Sometimes you're calling them over just to get in their ear about the next time, you know, Hey, th th we saw this or we saw this different. Can you look for this? Um, you know, usually you're not going to get them to change their mind, but you know, in the change of hockey now is, and you guys, and, and you know, well, because I, we're, I'm on the video with you guys all the time, you know, so I, I'm calling up. So a lot of the time when we call them over, we do have the ability to review it, you know? So it's funny because you know the refs know I'm on the headset with you guys and they'll they, their goal goes in and they're looking at me like are you you want to challenge this thing you know and I'm I obviously can't see it and I'm on the headset waiting for you guys to pull the clip and tell me if it, this is offsides or you know a high stick or what have you and we have up until the time the pucks drop and they're just staring at me like are you reviewing this or not you know and and, and I'm waiting for you guys so we have that ability now which which wasn't in the game a couple of years ago where you know it they don't come over yelling at you saying you're wrong because they know the video is going to be right over there. You know? So you, they just come over and like, what do you review? What do you want? Like yeah. this is offside. So like, how do you, how sure are you? I'm like, our guys are pretty sure, you know, or we're not sure, but like we're, we're going to check it, you know? So um, it's, it's never like a John Tortorella moment where he just unleashes all his anger and he unleashes all his hatred. I mean, some coaches will, you know, we don't, I mean, CJ and I, I mean, myself, I'm, I'm never yelling. Paul every once in a while could, could, could that be good for a blow up? Uh, but that's Yale's problem now. Uh, but uh, you know, we, you know, usually just try to stay on the good side, tell them, Hey, we want to review this. We want to check this, or can you watch for this? You know um, because uh, you know, it's something that we saw on video or we're, I'm getting a call from a head that, Hey, we think this is happening, you know? Jack, if you don't have any other questions, I think we can let Scott go. Uh, he's He's been really good. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, thank you for coming on and talking to us, Coach. We really appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. It was a lot of fun. Always enjoy talking hockey and obviously have great passion for Sacred Heart hockey. So it was uh, a lot of fun to chat with you guys. Well, Coach, we wish you the best of luck this season. We'll see you around at the rink. Uh, if you, you could give a message to the fans who might not be in, in, in attendance this year, who played a big role in the CTS tournament. What's your one message to the fans before you go? Stick with us. We'll get through this together. Um, you know, we're better because of the support of you guys and uh, follow from, you're not allowed to follow up close, follow from a distance. And when you are, you know, we're going to open a state of the art arena in a couple of years and, and we'd love to fill that place every night. So stick with us, 
There's some really exciting things coming down the pike for Sacred Heart Hockey. Well, Scott, we thank you for coming on, and we'll see you at the rink. Thanks, guys. So, Jack, that was assistant coach Scott McDougall. Uh, he's going to leave the meeting, and then we'll have the rest of the podcast that dissect what we heard and just preview the road ahead. So that was a fantastic interview. He was really good. Was. He gave a lot of insight. Uh, I have asked about that John Tortorella question because <laughs> you see it all the time in the NHL. You see guys, uh, especially coaches, who call, who call the referee over and just give them an earful. And I yeah. always thought, is it going somewhere? Like, is the referee going to listen to this guy and be like, this guy, like, why is he doing this? I'm, I, I make the call. He does it. He, he, he sits behind the bench and coaches. But I had to ask that question. Yeah, I mean, not as many people watch college hockey, obviously, as the NHL. And you see all the time, like John Tortorella, he's always in the ref's ear. Um, you watch some of like, the bigger schools, like uh, mostly like the Big Ten schools, like Penn State, Michigan. Sometimes those coaches are up, too. Um, but you might not see it from a school like us. Jack, we've been at the rink twice in, in the past two weeks, you know, videotaping practices, getting social media footage, talking to the coaches, getting interviews with the players and the coaches. Right away, you're, you are a freshman. I'm a junior. Now, when I was in your situation, luckily, there was a good group of guys, good group of players, coaches, and the person uh, who graduated, who helped me, his name was Matt Noche. He's now graduated. They made me feel welcome. Right away, when you walk through the doors, I, I know it's that Webster Bank Arena. I know that's not our home rink. How did you feel walking into the doors for the first time? I mean, it was quiet for sure. I hadn't stepped into a rink since my last high school hockey game. So it was a little, it was cool to be back in a, in a hockey rink for sure. Um, again, it was quiet because obviously COVID, no one's really there. But as soon as I, we sat down, you and I, and we started talking to the coaches, they started asking me questions about where I'm from. Uh, I felt right at home, to be honest. I mean, the coaches are great. You've been very helpful so far. What, you, I mean, you see the roster. Obviously, we don't know the roster right away yet because it's very yeah. hard to depict faces with the masks on because they, they have to wear the mask when they practice. That's a COVID-19 protocol. Mm -hmm. But the season that they had last year and now the season we're going to have this year are two completely different seasons. If you were to tell me at the Connecticut Ice Tournament last year that you fast forward two months to March, we wouldn't be in the playoffs. We wouldn't be playing for the National Hockey League, uh, excuse me, the National College title for college hockey. And now we you have the first season it. a month later because of COVID. I would not have believed you at all. Not at all. I mean, it's, it's almost a completely different game now. Um, yeah. I've, no fans is going to play a huge part. Um, obviously, Mass on the bench is going to play a part. It's, it's just going to be a totally different game. But I'm excited to see how we do against some of these teams that we're going to be up against. It's going to be an exciting season, for sure. for sure. You know, the season for the Atlantic Hockey League is scheduled to start November 13th. There is no word yet on Sacred Heart's first game. Uh, the schedule has not been released yet uh, to the public. So we don't know when that's going to happen. But when it does happen, all we know is that we, we're going to use this as a way to escape what's going on in the real world. Everything that's happened in 2020 could stay behind 2020 because when college hockey returns, when the Pioneer Safety Ice whether that's someone Webster Bank Arena, or whether that's a way on the road, it is going to be something that we will remember in this wild year. Something that I could have never predicted. Yeah. It's Jack, I mean, when I was sitting there on my couch, because <laughs> Sacred Heart, you were a senior in high school last year. I was. Right. So this, mm -hmm. is, right, so this is your freshman year. When I was sitting on my couch, because Sacred Heart sent the students home, 
because they didn't want the students on campus during the pandemic, which is, you know, makes a lot of sense, right? So I'm sitting on my couch, March 12th, I think it is, and the players begin March 13th. We're playing Robert Morris. Now, Robert Morris is from all the way out in Pennsylvania. They're about a good seven, eight-hour drive on a good day, right? So I'm sitting on my couch, and I check Twitter, and there's a writer who writes for college hockey, especially for the Atlantic Hockey League, and he's talking about when we're going to play, if, if we're even going to play. And he yeah. goes, Robert Morris taking the ice for morning skate. So I right away, I like text one of the coaches. I'm like, guys, like this is great news. And nobody responded. So I'm sitting there like, okay, maybe there's something they know that I don't know. So then the email or, or, or the notification comes out from the Atlantic Hockey League saying that no fans will be in attendance. So I'm like, okay. Now I live on Long Island. I'm about 45 minutes to an hour away. So I yep. take my shower, and I'm getting ready to drive up to the game. And I get the notification right away. The season has been shut down. If there's a college hockey playoff, it'll be uh, AIC representing the Atlantic Hockey League because they finished in first place. So that was a wild experience for me. And obviously, yeah. you know it, with the NBA shutting down first, that kind of spiraled out of control for the rest of the league to do the same. Yeah, that was – I remember hearing about the NBA shutting down, and I was – kind of blown away by it because at that point I think my high school we were still in school right um but it was I, I remember that last week like it was yesterday it was like I they announced that we were getting a long weekend for the school to be deep cleaned um then they announced two weeks I didn't even think we were getting more than two weeks at first I thought it was going to be only that long weekend school will be cleaned we're back in we're back in business we're all good to go two weeks became a month, a month became two months and just kept going. When the NHL shut down, I was, I mean, I'm a Red Wings fan, so I wasn't super heartbroken, but I was like, finally it's over. Uh, but yeah, when there was nothing going on, it was crazy. And college hockey too. I've always loved college hockey. Um, I heard that I had already decided I was going to Sacred Heart when I heard that they won Connecticut ice. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be going to a school with an amazing hockey program. Um, can't wait to see what they do next. A few weeks later, they're not doing anything. They're sitting on their couches at home. Yeah, this program, certainly, from the time I walked in the door as a freshman. Now, keep in mind, they did not have the best start when I was here as a freshman. And my dad, you know, followed Secret of Hockey, you know, pretty thoroughly because I work for the team and we're both big hockey fans. So, when I was a freshman, he would always say, you know, text me updates during the game, text me updates during the game. And when I text him these updates, he goes, oh, you know, almost had him, almost had him, almost had him. And then out of nowhere, the second half, we just, like, flipped the switch. And we were a completely different team in the second half of the season. And then, uh, unfortunately, we had that short playoff run uh, end against RIT. And then it just carried over into last season when I was a sophomore. And it was a season that I'll never forget. And listen, you're going to experience it one day. Whether I'm here or not, because we don't know how long this pandemic's going to go on for this couple of another year, for all we know. Um, Let's hope not, we, though. <laughs> you will experience Connecticut Ice, and you will see, yep. you know, how good it, it was. And I remember my dad was watching it at home on SNY. I was sitting in the press box. I actually met Rod Brindamore there, by the way, who was the coach of the uh, Carolina Hurricanes. His son actually played on Quinnipiac, Skyler uh, Brindamore, yep. against Sacred Heart, so he was there. Um, but I can just remember, I'm like, wow. This is a moment I'll never forget for the rest of my life. I mean, everything that's happened in, in 2020. I mean, everything. This feels like it was two years ago. 
because I never did that transpire in 2020, but it was, it was just not even a year ago it, it, or approaching a year, you know, coming up in January. But what, what happened last year is an experience that I can't wait for you to witness for college hockey fans to witness and for Sacred Heart itself. I mean, when they get the new rink on campus, I hope the game to play at Webster Bank Arena, the, C the CTS tournament, that place was rocking. And I yeah. have video that I still go through right now. I have video. I have pictures. That place was a madhouse. I don't know if you got a chance to see those games, but that place, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, it's not a huge arena for college hockey either, I don't think. Um, well, it's, and it's, it's, it, it's fairly big because it's an AHL it's fair, arena. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. But obviously, we're getting that new stadium. Um, and what's keeping me going, and I think what's going to keep the fans going through this pandemic, through this season, not being able to have fans, when that moment comes, when we're in the new stadium, the seats are packed, the crowd's roaring, the players hit the ice, the puck drops. When that moment finally comes, and it will come, it's, it'll, all of this will just melt away. And it'll just be the game, the, the game that we love. When I was, I keep going back to when I was a freshman here because watching what happened when I was a freshman to a sophomore, and I, I can't say nothing about this year yet because we haven't had one, but I can tell you, we're going to be a really good team this year. Um, but going back, going to the visiting sites, whether it's RIT in Rochester, whether it's Army, who has a fantastic fan base, and, uh, I, I haven't been to Air Force yet, but I'm sure they have the same type of families that they have in Army. But going to RIT, you know, that student section is rocking from puck drop to the – regardless of the score, they got these chants. They got these uh, chants that they do with the other teams. You know, the RIT uh, – excuse me, Penn State had a chant for our backup goalie, Luke Lush. And I actually had a, a student that goes to Penn State, follows me on my personal Instagram account, he knows that uh, I work for Sacred Heart, and he DM'd me privately. He goes, Luke Lush, Ellie has the greatest name. So other college hockey fan bases that have these student sections, I mean, it's something that you see out of a movie. And we don't have that it yet because really we play at, at Webster Bank Arena, but I hope one day, whether I'm a grad student or I'm coming back as an alumni, I take foot in that arena. And I'm just blown away. And Sacred Heart needs that recognition. This team is a very good team. We were ranked three or four times last year for the first time ever in program history. Yep. You know, so this is a really good team that, you know, we're going to be able to watch for years to come. Yeah, I mean, like you said before, uh, we've been to two practices so far. I, don't, I had no expectations going in um, as far as, like, what the team looked like, um, as far as, like, speed, size, skill, skill ability. I was I was a little surprised. Um, they they looked really good out there, and especially for not having done anything for how long has it been now? Like almost nine months, yeah. pretty much. They look like scary good. I'm I'm really eager to see them play in a real game because whenever we're there, they're really grinding. They're ready for the season. They want it now. Well, when, when I interviewed Coach Steve Bergen who won ECHL Coach of the Year last year with the South Carolina Stingrays, which is the ECHL affiliate to the Washington Capitals. I asked him, I said, what makes the Sacred Heart roster so unique? And he told me that it's the, the depth of the team and the size that they have on the back end. And that's a big part. You know, defense wins championships. I mean, every coach will tell you that. 
You know, Absolutely. you can have the goal scoring, but, you know, defense wins championships. And for him to come out and say that they got saws in the back end after they lost a really good defenseman who ate a lot of minutes in Mike Lee last year, they're going to be a really good team this year. And, you know, it may sound cliche, but watch out for the Pioneers because this is going to be a very, very, <laughs> very right. good team. Um, Jack, let's give our listeners a, uh, like a little rundown of what they could expect out of this podcast for the season ahead. Yeah, so basically we're going to be an outlet for you to hear from coaches, players, uh, other staff members, um, just to get like the inside scoop on what's going on in the team, in the locker room, on, on the ice if you can't catch the games. Um, I mean, no one's really going to be able to catch the games as much this year, unfortunately, but that's why we're here. We're here for you to tell you what's going on, to keep you up to date all the time. Yeah, and a big outlet for giving this platform to our listeners is through these podcasts, through these Zoom simulcasts. And you mentioned we're going to have players. We're, we're going to have players, you know, we want to have a guest on this podcast, we hope, every week. You know, we still have head coach C.J. Maratola to interview. We got the goalie, um, the goalie coach, Craig Height. We got the new assistant coach, Steve Bergen, who we could pick his brain a little bit because keep in mind, this guy coached professional hockey for the ECHL yeah. affiliate of the, of the previous Stanley Cup champions in the Washington Capitals. So he knows a little, too, about winning down there, too. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this podcast progresses. And we're going to have a lot of interviews, whether it's from the head athletic trainer, Ben St. Martin, whether it's from the Matt, uh, Matt Carroll, who's the equipment manager here, Keith Parker, who does straight the conditioning. You're going to get a lot of different interviews and a lot of insight of what goes on behind closed doors. It's not just lace up the skates, tape up the sticks, drop the puck. There's a lot else that goes into it. You know, a lot of things that I didn't even think went into before I started working for the team. So we want to bring that all to you. And what a better way to start than having Scott McDougall on the show today. He's been really good for the program, as far as I can remember, for three years. But he's also been really good to me. I know in, the, in recent years I have a, I've had projects for my communication classes that I need to do an interview with. And Scott kindly met me pregame. We did an interview. He does interviews almost every – almost every game weekend for the Instagram and Twitter. So he does this stuff. And if it wasn't for his insight, there are no interviews. And if it wasn't for him agreeing to come out to the podcast today, there is no Scott McDougal talking about him three years old, then going to UConn and coaching Division Three ice hockey, being friends with CJ. You know, we don't have that. So kudos to Scott for coming on to the show. So that was important. Absolutely. And there's a lot of – I hear a lot of um, rumors like – my, my mom will text me every now and then, oh, uh, the whole entire lacrosse team is quarantining. What's going on there? Then they weren't. Um, one of them went home for the weekend, and the, some Facebook page blew up. This is going to be you, the fans, your outlet for what's really going on, what's really happening. Um, nothing here is going to be fake. It's all going to be real. Um, it's not going to be rumors. It's all going to be facts on what's really happening in the team. Um, we're going to keep you up to date on how we're doing with COVID protocol and how we're continuing to be safe with that. Um, you heard Scott talk about that a little bit earlier. Yeah. So this will conclude our first episode of the Shoe Hockey Podcast. Stay tuned for next week, right around this time. Maybe we'll get some of the captains on the podcast. Maybe we'll get another coach. You know, we had a coach this week. Maybe it's time for a player. You know, or we could do someone on the staff. So we have a lot of different options that we could go. So, Jack, sign us off. 
All right. Thank you all for listening. We hope to see you again next week. Go Pios.